Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah. yeah! So, here's what's going on, Andy. So, I am on the 14th hole here at Riviera. I'm kind of halfway between the tee and the green, for those people that don't know. It's a par three. Um and it is not quite the farthest point from the clubhouse, but it's close to the, quite the, the furthest point. But where I'm looking right now, I can see the iconic Riviera Clubhouse back in the distance, okay? Tiger Woods is literally teeing off as we speak. Oh, wow. Okay? So his tee time is 12.04. It is 12.03 and 40-some-odd seconds. So they're getting ready to start that group. And it's got Tiger, Rory McIlroy, and Justin Thomas, three of the biggest names on the entire tour. I'm... I don't know. I mean, maybe a quarter a mile away, half a mile away. I'm, I'm a good distance out. There is a sea of people at the top of the hill at Riviera Country. It's just this unbelievable mass of humanity out there looking to see Tiger Woods hit his first competitive shot in a very long time. And even though he is not the player he was at the peak of his career, the late 90s and early 2000s, he is still, like we talked about earlier, one of those one-name dudes that if he shows up, everybody comes out to see it. And it is awesome to look at right now how many people are just hanging over the top of the clubhouse watching Tiger hit his opening tee shot. It's really interesting, too, to see a guy like Tiger go from Goliath to the sympathetic underdog. Yeah. Like, there are now people rooting for Tiger like they need to get his back as opposed to just being a fan of the dominance. Yeah. It's – he's – and so there, there's two, I think. There, there's two guys that I've seen, and not that there's only been two great athletes. There obviously have been very many more, and there are a lot of guys that have done amazing things. But the only two people in my life of watching sports that kind of, you know, my conscious memories of doing this go back to probably the late 70s to where we are right now. There are two guys. Well, you know, I'm going I'm to throw a third one in there. Three guys that when they had to do something, they always did. Jordan. Jordan wasn't missing that shot. <laughs> when it came down to it, he's going to make it. Tiger Woods was going to make the putt. Tiger Woods was going to hit the ball close to the hole. He was going to come back and win the tournament. That You just felt that it was, his, it was an inevitable sense of him doing what needed to be done. And the one that at the beginning when I started saying this, I wasn't there. Joe Montana had that thing too. Not that they wouldn't lose occasionally, but when it came down to, hey, we need to play right now, and if you get it, we're going to win. Montana? Jordan and certainly Tiger are on that list of, yeah, this is going in the hole. I don't care what needs to happen. He's going to find a way to get it there. Yeah, Gretzky was Gretzky pretty too. reliable that way. You know, Kobe's overall track record, pretty good. Yep. Pretty good when it can't, you know, a lot more winning than losing in high leverage moments, that's for sure. Like, like when you think about Tiger, and, and he's getting ready to go again, like I said, they, I, other than there, there's scandal and all that kind of stuff. But just, do you remember him? Okay, he needs to make this, or he loses, and he didn't make it. Never. Like I can't. I'm sure it happened, but I can't. I, I can't recall the one. Like there were shots where Kobe missed. There were moments where Tom Brady throws a, a bad pass. There were moments where other great players. But with Tiger, 
I just do not recall the hey if he misses this he's out of he's he, he loses the tournament or somebody else makes one and he misses one the pressure got to him I just can't remember one of those well I mean what Tiger had that I think Michael Jordan had that I think Tom Brady had that other guys we mentioned like Kobe did not necessarily have is being the most dominant player or athlete in their sport Mm -hmm. like at that time like you know there was nobody more or even equal to Jordan in terms of just pure dominance than that period like nobody won more than Brady you know nobody won more than Tiger during that period so they start just creating this narrative like in your mind and and it's how the history just starts getting shared where all they ever do was win like we you and I are old enough to remember when people used to say Michael Jordan wasn't a winner. Right. That he was incapable of actually Great caring. score, can't win. Right, exactly. Like, yeah. you know, and people forget, you know, everyone looks at 6-0 in the finals, which is obviously amazing. They forget all of the times that he couldn't get to the finals. It was either get to the finals and win the whole thing or not get there at all. You know it's, what I mean? And yeah. everyone's forgotten about that stuff. Because the legend grew with that winning at a time when nobody could touch his winning. I go back to when you're talking about Jordan like that. It kind of brings us to something that I want to get to right now. With it, I was a freshman at UC Santa Barbara. Michael Jordan had still not won a, an NBA championship. He was the yeah, he's a great scorer, but does he make his teammates better? They, you know all the nonsense that we would say back at the time. And they were heading into the 1990 NBA final. Maybe it was 91 or whatever it was against the Lakers, right? And that was it 91. Was the, the 91, and it was, yeah, well, and I, of course, Laker fan, and I'm up there running my mouth to everybody that'll listen to me that, you know, wait till, wait till he runs into Magic in the finals, and it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, they, they, never mind. Yeah, they, they, I may have been a little premature on this one. It does, it does seem like he knows how to maybe close the show now, that we might have been a little ahead of ourselves when it came to saying that he can only put the ball in the basket, that he can't win games. Yeah, I mean, again, like, you know, they, they say that history is written by the winners, and there's, you know, there's a lot of mythology that goes with Michael Jordan's legacy because, you know, it took him almost a decade to break through to get to that first championship. Mm-hmm. Like, if that had happened during the social media era, oh my gosh. like, you know, eventually I think people would have acknowledged, like, yeah, he's got six titles, he's winning now. But it's so much harder now to have that period of, like, grace and normal progression that typically has to happen for most players. Like Nobody most should. players don't win right away. No, you the the only one that kind of did was Magic. That Magic came out of Michigan State having just won, came into the NBA and just won and continued to win throughout the entire thing, but when he first got there he was not even the best player on his own team. Well, he was I, the most charismatic, but Kareem was still holding it down. Right, and you know, people I think forget because you know, you look at it, it was it was Magic's first year with the team. It was Dr. Buss's first year with the team. And, you know, they they had this instant identity, you know, the Showtime thing mm-hmm. that was combined with a decade of winning. And I think in a lot of ways it feels instantaneous the way people remember it. And, you know, this is something that, you know, frankly, whether you enjoyed winning time or not, they were completely inaccurate about this. <laughs> sure. Magic did not join a bad team. No, like, like the team that Magic joined. I'm looking it up right now. They went to the Western Conference semifinals. Like that was, and they were two years removed from getting to the Western Conference Finals. Like mm-hmm. this, 
they had won 47 games the year Magic. They had the best player in the league. Right. Like, they, they were not some sad sack team. Like, it was unusual that they ended up with, you know, like a, a new coach, you know, because Jerry West, who had coached them to 47 wins the year before, said, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> right. But it, it's not like Magic fell into this awful situation that he just lifted up through, like, the power of his passing and his smile. They were really good. Yes. And and he was really good, and obviously it was the beginning of the Showtime era, and it was today in 1992, February 16, 1992, that Magic Johnson had his jersey retired. And obviously, you know, people of a certain age, you and I are are close in age, that Magic is my all-time Laker, right? If you ask somebody a little older than us, maybe it's Jerry West. If you ask somebody a little younger than us, it's almost certainly Kobe, right? That, That these... The Lakers are so incredibly spoiled with have these generational talents where you can have an argument that you like Kobe and I like Magic and neither one of us are wrong. It's just it's a it's a crazy uh, you know just embarrassment of riches. But you know you look up there and you see all the names and we don't have to go over all of them because everybody knows them. You know that you know Kobe is obviously up there right now too. And it kind of gets you to who's going to come next, right? Magic had his done today in 1992. I, I, I guess maybe there's an argument somewhere, but I just cannot imagine in any way, shape, or form that LeBron isn't up there at some point, that whenever they decide there, when it probably even more to the point, when he decides he would like it up there, that's probably when it will go up. He's going to have one in Cleveland. He's going to have one in Miami, and he's going to have one here in L.A., and he should. And, and, and I, I just, I guess I'm interested in hearing the counterpoint. I just, what would it be? He broke the all-time scoring record. He's won a title. He's LeBron bleeping James. Will Chamberlain didn't spend his whole career in Los Angeles. He's hanging up there. What what is the point of discussion here? I mean, the the counter argument to that would be, yeah, Wilt wasn't here very long, and he only had one title too. But Wilt's period with the Lakers featured a lot more winning. Like LeBron's time with the Lakers has been, frankly, bizarre. Like it's been pretty much either win a championship or don't make the playoffs mm-hmm. with very little in between we'll see you know how this season goes and if nothing else I think there's some hope that next year they're in a good position to maybe just hit the ground running if if they end up retaining like D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley and Rui Hachimura like they may actually have some continuity but I think that would be the argument against LeBron which I'm saying this is the devil's advocate argument I think he's going to end up getting it retired both because it's LeBron you know there's elements of you know clutch is going to be around a long time and you you want to be doing business with clutch and he became the all-time leading scorer in your building he brought you a championship all that stuff the argument against it would just be there wasn't a ton of winning and the period itself in a lot of ways wasn't that memorable outside of the chaos I, I, I hear that, and I, I can appreciate it intellectually, but the emotional part of my brain takes over and says, yeah, okay, fine. He's LeBron James. He did win a championship. He did break the record. And even – let's say that the bubble championship never happens, right? Let's say that they lose to the Heat in that one, and, it, and everything else stays exactly the same. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of things that are going on. They had one good season, but it didn't land in the championship. He's still going up there. There's just – there's no way that the – 
one of the answers to the question, who's the greatest player of all time, you can say LeBron James and you're not a crazy person. That is a very viable, correct answer to that question. It's not the only answer, but it's a correct answer to it. That if he spends five years, six years, eight years wearing your uniform, even if seven of them are unsatisfying, he's going up there. Yeah, again, this is not. I'm not making like my passionate argument against it. You just you asked me what would be the argument. Mm-hmm. That's the argument. Just that there was too little winning, and other than the one championship, I mean, if we're being honest, it's been underwhelming. Like it, it's been disappointing particularly once Anthony Davis was here in terms of what people expected and look he's going to be here it seems like at least a couple more years maybe Mm -hmm. there's time to turn that around and I think he's still made his credentials for it happening and also as you you're alluding to the common sense part of it (laughs) um I'm assuming he would retire 23 because that was what he wore when they won the championship as opposed to six but yeah it's gonna it's gonna happen yeah, it, it's going to happen. The question is, does it have, Does anybody else go before him? Are we going to see more before him? And like you said, it hasn't been great other than the championship season. Pretty darn good last night. Was it a good night, or is it the beginning of a new team? That's coming up next. It's Travis Lee, and he's in for Slee on 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So not only here at Riv, um, Andy, but I'm on the 14th hole, and I am looking across at the third green, kind of the way that the golf course lays out. I can see the third green, and I've been here since, say, maybe 9 o'clock in the morning, and there's been, you know, maybe the high water mark of a couple of handfuls of people on the third green. Um, Well, Tiger is probably on the first green right now, and the people just trying to get ahead of the crush of people are already about four or five deep around the green, and he's probably a good half hour away from coming through there. That's how excited people are to see Tiger Woods again. Yeah, I told you the time that I went to Riviera, I don't know, 15-ish, maybe even longer, Tiger was there. Basically, it was just a gallery moving with him, hole to hole to hole. I've never it's, seen anything like that. It's this 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 like snake of people coming down the hill trying to get out in front of where he was ever going to go next. Just you know, set up shop and uh, wait for him to come through. We are live at the Riviera Country Club, of course. Tigers tournaments day one of the Genesis Invitational. You can still get tickets for the weekend at genesisinvitational.com. It is a unbelievable events one of my favorite events in the entire city every single year obviously the biggest event going on here this weekend genesisinvitational.com play elevated so um i am trying to 
remain myself. I am trying to not get too far ahead, but I'm not going to lie, Andy. I was watching the Lakers and the Pelicans last night and went, huh, that that looks like an NBA team. That looks like a playoff quality NBA team. That looks like a team that can keep their head above water even when LeBron James and Anthony Davis maybe aren't playing at an A-plus level or need a little bit of a breather. And I thought that there was a really interesting moment um, early in the third quarter that the Lakers kind of took control of that game early, and then right before the end of the second quarter, New Orleans made a run and turned what was like a 12- or a 13-point deficit into, what was it, at the half? Four? Four. And, and, and they got it really close, and it's like, okay, this is what the Lakers do, that once they get caught, they typically, you know, it's more like a horse race where once you fall behind, you usually don't go back ahead again. And they just hit the gas in the second half and blew them out in the third quarter. By the time you got to the fourth quarter, the game was more or less decided. When was the last time the Lakers just kind of had a runaway like that where midway through the third quarter, you're just like, yeah, this one is over. And that we finally got one of those shortly after all these new guys arrived. LeBron obviously back on the court last night. AD looked a lot better. I don't want to get my hopes too high because this feels like it's built on a little bit of a, of a sand foundation because of the health of the two most important guys. But that was a totally different team last night. Well, you you asked when is the last time this has happened, and I think the last time it happened was when Anthony Davis was playing like Anthony Davis. Like the, the version we saw for like 20-ish or so games where he was playing at a legit MVP level, and AD played like that last night on both sides of the ball. He was really impactful as a scorer, as a rebounder. He had a couple really good passes. He was a deterrent in the lane, whether blocking shots or bothering shots. His presence mattered. And it's the difference between AD as all-star level version of himself, which is still a really good player, and all-NBA version of himself, which is guy that makes a difference versus 97% of the league. Mm -hmm. And yes, having the full squad that they traded for definitely mattered. I think this starting lineup that they had out there with D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, who played together for a few seasons in Minnesota, like there was some continuity there that helped fast-track some of this, having LeBron back, obviously is a big help in fast-tracking. But at the end of the day, it comes down to, is Anthony Davis going to be that guy? Because everybody else you have right now, other than maybe D'Angelo Russell at his best, they're role players. They're they're role players that can be very good in their lane, still just role players. And LeBron, you can't ask him to do, realistically, more than he's done this season, especially during that period where he was helping hold down the fort with no AD. Yeah. Like it is Anthony Davis's time to step up and be that dude. That's why my enthusiasm is tempered. That that's why as exciting as it was to see what you saw last night, I, I just I just can't. I just can't do the thing where it's like, oh, there it is. Okay, great. That's gonna be the thing we see moving forward. There there is no less sure of a thing than Anthony Davis giving you the same game two nights in a row. He, he certainly can. He certainly has. But the the three games prior to the one we saw last night were not good. And, and that's being generous, quite frankly. They were downright bad on a couple of occasions. And there is no rhyme or reason. 
that other than obviously when he's completely unavailable because of health, but there really is no rhyme or reason to when that dude that we saw last night shows up and then the guy that you saw in Portland a couple nights before that shows up. You just you just never know. And that's why look, Russell looked good and Beasley looked good and you know, Vanderbilt obviously fills a role and, and, and all of these other guys that they put in there, but that's fine and dandy if the other guy is the other guy. We're done here. They, 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 even LeBron, at, at, at the A-plus level that he's been at for a decent portion of this, cannot drag those other guys to the Western Conference Finals. LeBron and AD, at the best? Yeah, I mean, let's let's find out at least. But without it, who cares? It, it just It's not going to happen if he gives us that one good, one bad. Yeah, I mean, I suppose with Anthony Davis, maybe the games leading up to where we are now, maybe he was still – like getting his timing and his rhythm and, you know, his conditioning, all that stuff back from that absence. And, you know, Darvin Ham has said after a couple games that there's still there's still that part of it with Anthony Davis. But in certain respects, even if that's a legitimate reason, I don't care. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like like yes, I'm, I I'm not I'm not saying that to be cold hearted. I'm just saying the Lakers don't have the luxury of time to care. Like, even if it's a legitimate reason, the legitimacy doesn't matter. Like, they, they need him, especially after the All-Star break, which AD was not selected, and frankly, I'm glad yeah. that he wasn't. Um, he needs to play at the level that he was for 20-ish or so games before that injury where he was legitimately in the MVP conversation. Sure. Because the reality is the Lakers had planned when they brought in Anthony Davis – they traded B.I. and Lonzo and Josh Hart and all the picks. It was not just to give LeBron a running mate for that championship. It was to bridge things to where Anthony Davis was the engine of the car and LeBron would be steering it. No, it was supposed to flip. It was supposed to go from what we saw in the bubble where LeBron was the best player, but AD was really close to by the time we're here in 2023 – that AD is the best player and LeBron is close. That it was supposed to kind of yeah. do that 180 where we flip this and not only has it not happened, the gap between the two performances that those two players put up on a consistent basis is getting bigger. Not it, it, Never mind surpassed the, the, the player 1A becoming player 1. He's become further behind player 1 and continues to fall further behind minus a couple of pockets here and there. And that this is the thing that I keep coming back to. When he was at his best, whether it was a month or so ago that you were talking about, when it was in the bubble, the these these coming moments where he's had these long periods to kind of get right and hit it really hard for a relatively short period of time, and then it breaks again. It's it's like that fancy car, right? That where you, when it's running great, it's perfect and it's fun to drive, but it's always in the shop. You always got to tinker with it. Well, you can't take it out right now. It's not running its best. That. The championship they won was so unique, not less, but so different that you had, what did they have, two months off before they had to go, and it was this sprint to the finish line, which he was amazing in, but that's never going to happen again, you know, knocking on wood. Hopefully we never have a situation like that again. Nobody is that big of a Laker fan that they're rooting for another (laughs) pandemic to try to set up a championship. Hopefully not, but the the circumstances in which... (laughs) Emily's shrugging her shoulders like, maybe. (laughs) There may be a few. I wouldn't say there's none. I would say it's a it's a small percentage, but that's a very unique set of circumstances that delivered that championship, and you're very unlikely to get them again. I, again, one hopes. 
Um, they just, you cannot ask LeBron to do more. Like, you know, once you get to the playoffs, LeBron is going to have to, I think, crank it up more defensively on a regular basis. Like, he can't pick his spots the way he does right now. Like, he has to start playing more legitimate level on both sides of the ball. But mm-hmm. for where we are right now, you cannot legitimately, fairly, realistically expect more of LeBron. Like, he's not supposed to be doing what he's doing now. Like, what he's doing in a lot of ways, that's gravy. AD is in his prime. Like, if, if, it, if it's not going to happen with AD now, then you have to start wondering, is this foundation going to work? No, I, I think we already have the answer to that. Right, this foundation is is LeBron James. The foundation is not LeBron James and Anthony Davis. The foundation is LeBron James. Well, then it's not going to work because yeah, you no, can't it, keep and it doing hasn't. This. Well, you know, you you might be able to catch it for half a second, and and maybe if you know the 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 gods align everything exactly the way it's supposed to, and you catch it again, it's going to be because LeBron is otherworldly, while Anthony Davis is having one of his one month stretches where he's terrific. But I, I just we, we have we're going on three years of situations where he's off and on. I'm just going to assume off and on is the norm, and great is the exception. Off and on is what you're going to get with him, and that's not good enough to be the foundation for whatever's coming next. LeBron is the the the, the past, the present, and the future. Well, that that gets into a whole separate discussion that is about much more than this season. Let's do that when we get back. We'll do the separate discussion. Plus, uh, Paul George says winning with the Clippers is better than winning with the Lakers. I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. That's coming up. It's Travis Lee. Andy's in for Slee on 710 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Crowd's getting thicker, Andy. We're getting closer to Tiger Woods coming through here. Um, I'm on the 14th hole at Riviera, but it uh, kind of runs parallel to the third hole. Um, which Tiger will be playing here in the next, I don't know, 10, maybe five minutes from right now. So um, if you start to see a crush of people directly behind me, you'll know that Tiger is getting even closer. <laughs> Again, you you will know because everybody's there to see Tiger. Also, uh, my wife has corrected me okay. on something oh, wow. uh, when I was talking about the our time in the Cedars-Sinai closet in labor. <laughs> Not it, a euphemism. It, yeah, no, it was not. We were literally in a closet. It was not a technician who saw me and wanted to talk Lakers while my wife was clearly in agony 
physical pain during this labor. It was our anesthesiologist. <laughs> even worse. Yes, even, Emily, yes, even worse. So, Okay, so that's very funny. My oldest was born on New Year's Day. Okay, his, his birthday is January 1st. And what takes place on January 1st? <laughs> but a number of college football games, right? So we are in the L&D room. And Susan is, you know, like you just described, she's in the process of delivering a baby and she is in a great deal of discomfort and the anesthesiologist comes in and they're getting ready to, to place the epidural and all those things. And he's asking for scores and he's saying, oh, ooh, that, that, that was a good play right there. I thought they might run the ball right there. I was getting kind of caught him flat footed. And Susan's looking at me like, are, are you guys? And I'm like, yeah, man, I really thought, you know, run was the thing that was good. And, and she was like, you've got to be kidding me. You guys are breaking down the, I think it was the cotton bowl or whatever by the time that she was in that particular part of her delivery. Like you, you guys are really out actually doing this while i'm trying to do that i mean honey it's the contractions they're five minutes apart like what are we supposed to do in between <laughs> two, look at two or three plays in, in between your contractions i mean look if you want to speed things up speed things up we're, like, we're not rushing you but i'm just saying like give us our space too <laughs> yeah i got so like so i I think people that, that listen to this station and certainly listen to the Travis and Sliwa show somewhat regularly know that my family goes to the Rose Bowl every year, right? It's kind of our, our family reunion, and we've had big groups of, like, you know, 40 or 50, and we've had smaller groups of just, you know, five or six. So Susan was supposed to deliver the baby on Christmas, and she did not. And so we're getting closer to the Rose Bowl, and we're thinking, oh, you know, do we dare take her to the Rose Bowl? <laughs> like, this this seems like a very bad idea. So anyway, we decide that, you know what, let's go for it. Like, it, and because the doctor's like, I don't really don't think it's that close, you know, maybe another few days. And so we put, we, we drove down to the Rose Bowl, and we put our car in a very specific position. We, we paid a guy to park on his grass by the driveway. So in the event that we needed a quick getaway, we could, because typically you get pinned in right there. We went down there, set this whole thing up, getting ready to go to the game the next day. And at about 2 a.m. on January 1st was the, uh, yeah, uh, my water just broke. We need to go to the hospital. So we missed being pinned into the Rose Bowl by about maybe 14 hours. Did you get the driveway money back? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Kept the money, and my dad had to go retrieve the other car. Like, he, he went down there to make sure that we ultimately uh, got, got the car back, but the whatever it was, 50 or 100 bucks was down the drain. Hey, look, I'm, I'm not saying Susan couldn't have done a better job, but, like, you know, space this thing out a little better. You know, I mean, like, you, you guys had made plans. It's, <laughs> it's some- hey, look. And, and, and I'll, I'll tell you this, too, and not that I kept track of these sort of things, but this was uh, back when the, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 were kind of exclusive to the, the Rose Bowl. Not every year, but damn near every year. And I was keeping track of all the Pac-12 teams I had seen, all the Big Ten teams that I had seen. And I wanted to – my goal was I wanted to see everybody at least once. It was the one and only time Purdue has come through in my lifetime, and I missed it. It was the Drew Brees against Washington. Oh, I remember that, Rose Bowl, actually. And uh, I missed it. So the, the planning was, again, basically her fault is what I'm getting at. <laughs> I mean, look, again, Susan did a lot of work during this labor, and it's obviously more stressful on her than you. But you're never going to get that time back, Travis. No, and watching it on TV is certainly not the same No, no, espe- especially with your wife – Given birth, it's distracting. Like you, you, 
That is a Rose Bowl experience that, quite frankly, you were cheated out of. <laughs> I'm glad I have somebody that's finally on yeah. my side. It's taken me 22 years to find somebody, but but you're my man. Uh, the Clippers. <laughs> Don't uh, tell and, her I ever said this. Yeah, well, she, she's heard. She's heard far worse. Um, Russell Westbrook and the Clippers are at least communicating from Shams. The LA Clippers have begun conversations with Russell Westbrook. The Clippers received permission to speak to Westbrook, and talks have started among franchise officials um this seems as a talk show host i am fully in support of this idea because i think it will be an endless source of of content for what we do every day but if i were a clipper fan or just a a person looking to make a basketball team better this seems like a beyond a terrible idea yeah that's just there the idea of taking russell westbrook and saying we've got 20-something games to figure it out. Let's drop the least blendable player (laughs) in the entire league during a total championship or bust season for the Clippers. Like, you know, we were talking before, Travis, about, like, the LeBron era being relative to expectations underwhelming. Mm -hmm. They at least have a championship to show for this. The Clippers moved heaven and earth in terms of draft capital and players, you know, Shea Gilgis Alexander, you know, who has turned into every bit as good of a player as Paul George, who is, should be noted, a really good player himself. Yes. And like all of these moves that the Clippers did, I, I support these decisions. Like, I think they are all justifiable. I think it's been a smartly built team. Like, I'm not being critical of them at all, but if they don't get to. The finals, if they do not win a championship, it's going to be a massive, massive failure. Like, there's no way around it. They invested so much into this, and they've kept doubling down and doubling down. And again, I'm not being critical of them for doing it. I think they've done it well, smartly. They've been committed to it. Steve Ballmer is an owner. I think any fan would want their team to have. Yep. But it doesn't change the fact that if they do not come out of this with at least one championship, it's a massive scale failure. And it feels, I don't want to say it's it's not impossible, obviously, but it does not feel like they have ever, maybe, 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 with the exception of the bubble season where it felt like they were really good, right? And, and, And maybe getting better as time went on and we all know they, you know, another three, one lead that went down the drain that time to the nuggets along the way. But they really haven't been close. Like the Lakers, like you said, they got in and punched their ticket. So even if this year goes up in smoke, even if next year is more of the same, you can point to 20 and 20 and say, look, we got one that the Anthony Davis acquisition was the right move. We won a championship and we'll go from there. This does not feel like the Clippers are close. They're one of many. You know, they, they are, are they good enough to win the West? Sure they are. Are they good enough to win? I mean, yeah, maybe if things break their way. But I don't see Russell Westbrook being the difference between them being where they are now and being something more than that. Well, I mean, there I think there are elements that, at least on paper, you can see that Westbrook would bring to the table. Like, they, if nothing else, the players, I think, believe they need a real point guard on this team. Mm-hmm. And it's something they've been looking for the last few years, you know, Reggie Jackson's had his moments, but, you know, he ended up getting traded. He's now going to be, I believe, with Denver. Um, You know, they went the John Wall route, which a lot of Laker fans wanted the Lakers to do last year, which I thought was absolutely insane. 
and there are reasons why. And Wall and Westbrook are very similar players. Um, I get why they would potentially want Russ from certain skill sets perspectives. You know, he is somebody that can help guys get in spots to make shots. He does bring that element of transition. You know, there there's a certain amount of chaos that Russ sometimes brings that can be good chaos. But I think at this stage, there's more just limitations. There's just limitations to what he can do, and he cannot operate outside his preferred lane at all. Well, I, I don't even know if it's a preference. It's almost like a, um, a compulsion, right? It's, it's, it's not I would rather go left than right. It's I have to go left. It's the only thing I know how to do. This is I, I, I ha- Yeah, but we need you to go right. Yeah, but I, I can't. And if, if it's just yeah. asking him to go right is the mistake. Because he's, he's made it very clear, I don't go right. I only go left. So if you're bringing me in here hoping I'm going to go right, that's on you. And, and that's the part that from the very beginning with the Lakers, I'm like, guys, I get that he's a name. I get that he's local. I get that it's something that is splashy and, and sexy. But have you watched him play? Like, do you think – tell me how what he does fits with what LeBron James and Anthony Davis does. And the answer was it doesn't. And that they never saw that, and that the Clippers don't see that is, or Clippers potentially, it's not done, but it's just bizarre to me that people keep making the same mistake. Well, w- with Russ, I think you know the with the Lakers, there was that idea that he could take some of that playmaking pressure off LeBron, and and this this is something that I actually brought up on on the Locked On Lakers podcast, which I've gone this long without promoting it, Travis. Great podcast. I spent more time promoting Commander and Chimp. <laughs> which at this point is not even shooting, it's not even cast, than I did Locked on Lakers, which development. you can get five days a week anywhere you get your podcast. There's yes, also a YouTube dude. component. I hear the Locked on Network has one hell of a Ram show as well. I, I'm a fan. I yeah. think that it's very well done. But one of the things that you could argue that made sense with bringing Russ at the time was the idea that Russ is kind of a poor man's LeBron. Like, he's obviously nowhere near as good, but, like, the idea of somebody who can thrive in transition, somebody that can find open guys for good shots, somebody that can do some degree of quarterbacking and scoring, he could maybe buy LeBron more minutes off the court. Like, just get him more rest where things would not completely fall apart like they had been, like, any time LeBron would sit for 45 seconds. And, you know, to be fair to Russ... We never really got the full opportunity to see how it might work because the first season, LeBron and AD were hurt a lot, mm-hmm. and that that was not a good roster period. So you know, I don't think Russ was, again, in fairness, put in the greatest position to succeed, but the potential downsides were always really obvious. Like it was always going to be high risk, high reward. Or disaster with no in between. Yeah, there we got we got Plan B. That that was Plan B was the result of that whole thing. The dump is coming up next. It's Travis Slee. Andy's in for Slee on seven ten ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, speaking of productions, Andy, um, we and I have spent some time today, and we will continue to spend some time tomorrow. You, you and I are together again uh, while Slee's enjoying a little bit of time off. Uh, we did Commander and Chimp, and we will continue to kind of you know flesh out the rest of the script. There is another film in production that Tom Brady is going to EP, a limited series on a John Madden biopic, uh, according to Deadline. I'm not going to lie. I think I'm in on that. I, John Madden is a fascinating character, and I feel as famous as he was for as long as he was, I feel like I don't know a ton about John Madden. I'd love to see that. I think that would be a great story. Like, you know, you have to do it well, and it seems like they're doing a limited series, which I really like because sometimes the danger with biopics is they try to go cradle to grave, and it's just too much to fit into two and a half hours Mm -hmm. but and and it feels like you end up getting a surface level look at everything which means you actually learn nothing but for something that's a series you can actually have it build and you can really take the time in different episodes to dig into all these very different chapters in john madden's life like you know the casting is going to be key you know you need the right person to play john madden believably but I, i would be all over that yeah, and the the interesting part, and it would all be interesting because he's. I'm trying. I'm sure there's another example. I'm blanking on it right now. I, a lot of guys have two acts in their life. I don't know if anybody had three acts like John Madden did. That John Madden was a Super Bowl winning coach in the NFL, which in and of itself an amazing accomplishment, an amazing life. He was arguably the greatest football color man in the history of the position. He kind of redefined what that's supposed to be. He is a a Mount Rushmore presence in broadcasting outside of his coaching. And he created a video game that has lasted multi-generations or at least lent his name to a video game that when you say, hey, do you want to play Madden? My kids don't know that John Madden was a football coach. He's the guy with the video game. It's three different lanes that not only he, he kind of went down but thrived in. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think about comps and magic – I think as far as being an incredible player, like he's one of the greatest athletes in the history of sports, much less basketball. Then he became this incredibly successful businessman. He also became, you know, obviously an HIV advocate and, you know, somebody that gave a lot of people hope with his, you know, survival and his ability to thrive after that diagnosis that, you know, at the time everybody thought was a death sentence. Mm -hmm. You could end up seeing that with LeBron maybe depending on where things go. I mean, we're, we're already seeing the next chapter of his life unfold in real time while he's still playing. You know what kind of makes me sad is I think Kobe had that potential sure. to be someone like that. He was doing really, really interesting things, not just after basketball. He was doing things that were completely separate from basketball. You yeah, that's a good point because Madden, all three of them are football, right? They're, they're, they're different lanes, but they're all football. Um, yeah, that, that kind of total 180 that Magic in business or, or Kobe in film and those things, that's that's a totally different animal as well. All right, uh, 
Travis Kelsey said that Jalen Hurts could have won the MVP even in a loss. I know Jerry West won the MVP in an NBA Finals in a losing effort. Have we ever seen? I think the Dallas Cowboy got one in a in a Super Bowl in in a losing effort. I I, I get it. You can play really well and have your team lose, but shouldn't the MVP shouldn't it always come from the winning team? Well, it I remember in two thousand in the two thousand fifteen Finals, there were a lot of people who thought that LeBron should have won MVP. Was that when Iguodala won? Yeah, that was the year that yeah. Iguodala won. I think LeBron actually – I think – I may be wrong about this, but I think he actually got a couple votes. But I know that there was a consensus that if you were looking at this through the prism of who really was the most valuable as opposed to tradition dictates that it's got to be a winning team, that LeBron really was the most valuable player in that series. Y- yes, but then by by if you kind of extrapolate that logic and – it, and it's logical – then the year Peyton Manning didn't play for the Colts and they went 1-15, he should have been the most valuable player by not playing and demonstrating that, listen, my mere presence gives us 13-14 right, wins. If I'm not there, we lose every game. Right, but there's a difference between having that come through in the regular season versus having it come through in the championship game. Like, the stakes are higher. Chuck Howley was the Super Bowl MVP in Super Bowl Five for the Cowboys in a <laughs> of losing Of course. Effort. Who doesn't Again, remember that? that? Wh- why do I know that? that, that Somebody forgot those... to ask me. I know it's Chuck Howley. Everybody knows Did you knows know that, Chuck... Of course. You knew Chuck Howley. I knew Chuck Howley. Do you have that stupid memory like I have where I can remember dumb stuff from when I was nine years old, but I can't remember what I did yesterday? I don't remember Chuck Howley. <laughs> Come on. I've never even heard of Chuck I Howley. I've never heard of Chuck Howley. It's going to be the I, Hall of Fame. I, I know these things. I didn't remember it was Chuck Halley. I just remember it was a uh, a Dallas Cowboy guy that won the MVP in a losing effort. Let's do a little super crosstalk. Why don't we? Going to have to ask you guys to keep it down. I am out here on the uh, oh, 14th yes. hole the 14th at Riviera. Hole. The Riviera. players are on the course. And nice. uh, you got to talk a little bit in a golf voice today yes. because uh, I'm here at the iconic Riviera Country Club, Mason Momo. Um, who's at the, the who's at the tee right now? I think the tee is empty as tea I speak, but Tiger's group is getting ready to go through the third hole here any second, and it's about 50 people deep as they're getting ready to watch. How's he look so far? Haven't got a chance to no. see him with my own two eyes, but if people watching is any indication, he must be doing pretty well. You hanging uh, hanging out all day? Yeah. So after we're done um, with, with Super Crosstalk here in a little bit, uh, Chris and I are going to do a little social um, out here at Rivs. We should be out here most of the rest of the day, watch Tiger a little bit, watch the golf. And uh, this is one of my, no, no nonsense, no BS. This is one of my favorite events of the year. I look forward to this every single year. I can't wait to get so out So I'll tell you a great this Tiger story. It's going to sound made up, but it's 100% real. So... Uh, and by the way, Momo's here. Hey, Momo. Hey, Momo. What's going on? So my Aunt Kay is a lunatic. She <laughs> is crazy. So uh, she got fixated on Tiger Woods years ago. Long time ago. Long time ago. All right. And she started going to every one of Tiger's tournaments and would follow him around. And travel. And she'd drive all over the country. She was like a deadhead for Tiger. Correct. <laughs> And she would wear a blonde wig. So every time we watched a golf tournament and Tiger was there, there was Aunt Kay in a blonde wig. Was she, was she wearing the That's blonde great. wig so you guys could see her in the gallery or because she thought it would like upper chances with Tiger? That's <laughs> nah, very funny. Very funny. No, I have no idea why she did it. She's wearing a Perkins outfit. There's, a, there's a Perkins pancakes. Outfit. No, there's a lunatic a strain that runs her. through my family. Aunt Kay was prime example. Funny. Yeah. 
<laughs> Why the Did, blonde wig? I, I have no idea. Because we don't talk to Aunt Kay anymore because... Well, she's a lunatic. Is she uh, here today, May? She keep my eyes open. She, if you see a crazy lady in a blonde wig, just say, hey, Aunt Kay. <laughs> see if she turns her head. Have you guys been out here for this event? Have you guys had a chance to do this before? No, I was there. I, the only time I've ever been at Riv was for a Lakers charity golf tournament. Okay. They used to do it every year. Oh, yeah. And I, there was one year, the year that Ireland and I were there, Jerry West, we had heard had a hole-in-one earlier oh, wow. in the course. And so it's exciting. I don't know what hole is, nine or ten or wherever par three was, uh, and had a hole-in-one. And so he gets to the uh, to the interview spot with us after the round, and we said, hey, Jerry, congratulations on the hole-in-one. He said, I missed that effing putt at 17. <laughs> could could wow. not. Could not just celebrate the hole-in-one. So you, you, I have been to Riv several times for this, this tournament, for yeah. this event. And the one, and I'm not a golfer. Okay, I, I I don't think I have any kind of patience for golf. Like right. I just, I would throw things and get upset. And <laughs> yes, I can't believe how far you have to walk. Oh, it's a long day, dude. Yeah, long every you day you walk that in. far, you get your exercise. Like, I was like, tournament. I remember following like one golfer on the back nine. And I'm like, is this <laughs> like you do this every morning? Like people do this, but but. I mean, it's a hike. It is, but you also—it's not just a hike. You can eat hot dogs and drink beer while you're hiking. True. Okay. It's, it's kind of a—it's kind of a yin and yang sort of thing. You, um, you have to exercise a little bit, but you also get to drink and eat while you're doing it. I was at the PGA Championship at Inverness in Toledo one year, back when I lived in Toledo, and it came down to Hale Irwin and does it sound right? No, Hale Irwin won. It came down to Bob Tway and Greg Norman. Does that sound right? I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Tway hold out. Yep. And there's all kinds of celebration and, you know, woo, woo, woo. And uh, Tway went back to his golf bag and found out that somebody stole his Rolex out of the golf bag. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like someone from the gallery? Oh. Yeah, somebody from the gallery got into Tway's golf bag and stole his Rolex. Okay. <laughs> Why did he have his Rolex in his bag? I don't know. There's but this, the question. The mean streets of Toledo, Ohio, I'm telling you. <laughs> say, like that, you put it in your locker. There's a yeah. clubhouse. Yeah, you, put the, you put the Rolex yeah. in your locker. Carried it with him. Carried it with him in his bag. Wow. Momo, I want to go back to mason's story about uh jerry west <laughs> saying that he missed the uh the putt on 17 yeah. you've probably been around him have you ever seen him like relaxed and in the moment and enjoying himself or is he always jerry west he's always jerry west yeah i mean i look i see him at clipper games all the time um he's he's watching the game he's pacing he's like i mean he's he's in it like yeah. he watches sometimes when I, I i call him sometimes for stories i called him the other day for that um lebron story right um He's got a game on in the background. He's watching yeah. everyone. He's watching the G League. He's watching college basketball. He's like, I like that kid from Purdue. You know, what I mean, like, he'll just, really? like he's just dialed in. He's going to be eighty-five yeah. in May. Wow! And he still has the energy, yeah. to try to sue winning time, like to take it right, all the way to the right. Supreme I'm Court. I'm going to the Supreme Court. <laughs> and I look, I forget the idea of whether or not Jerry West is right or not, or you know, has a reason to be this angry. Most people at that age do not have the energy to take a fight to the Supreme Court. That can take years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and Jerry West is here for that. But here's the thing. Jerry West is more like the character in the movie than anybody wants to acknowledge. <laughs> here's the problem. If it get- Momo, is that true or is that not true? 
I I think he is like that character. However, I think they they went a little. F- they went. They they accentuated things too. F- they went too far. The with rolling things. around in the underwear was yeah. That yeah, was too much. The throwing the trophy through the glass that never that happened. Never happened. You know, there was just like a lot of stuff that like. I, I also the, the way I put it at the time, and I think I'd leave it this way is. If you were to just take the worst parts of yourself and then turn them up to a 10. Right. To like heighten the, the those characteristics. And then you don't soften it out with any other version of right. him. Okay. Then you look at, it's a caricature. Yes. That's the definition of a caricature. Showbiz. Yeah, but- Are like, they doing d- that with uh, the characters in your miniseries with uh, Donald so. Sterling and all those folks? No, I don't think so. I think they're pretty, I, I think everybody, like, I mean- to whatever level I could be involved in it. Like, so, you know how there's a, like, I see scripts, but I see them after they've gone through, like, you know, 25 reads from right, everybody right. else, right? And and then I give a few notes, and I go, you know, I think you should keep this guy, this guy's not, wouldn't have said that, and the, you know, whatever. Uh, I, things like that. So I don't think anybody is way out of whack. I don't think there's, but was I on set every day that they were filming? No, I was there twice. Right. So like sometimes things get changed in the room. Sometimes things get changed in edits. And you know, like sometimes you get can't get your friend Mace into the uh, reporter pool. Oh, the tried. Course of the Mace? tried. I mean, look, yeah, tried. tried. Momo showed me the list. I was on the list. Do you know who got in? Jim Hill. No, Bill Plaschke. Oh, Bill Platt. That was the well, only I guy. Mind, I don't mind Bill. No, and you know what happened, though? I, I, I'll i tell you the truth. Yeah. They were going to have a lot more reporters. Yep. And they were going to have like a whole group. Like, I think they were going to do four or five of the people I recommended. And then when Hollywood started cutting budgets and everything, they just tightened everything up. So you would have been paid a day rate as a SAG actor. That right? would have been fine. Would have been fine. But I think they just went with extras who did other things in the background because it was just me and So Plashy. it was just background work. It was literally me and Plashy. You're in it? Oh, you're, yeah, you're I have playing a yourself, Momo? I'm playing myself. Momo nice. as Momo. How did you get into character? Um, I told you I'm the worst actress Showed ever. Showed up 45 minutes late. <laughs> Showed no, up yeah. late. <laughs> yeah. Complained about Smashburger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way, I had the worst Smashburger yesterday. They just nuked my chicken sandwich. I was like, who yeah. thought that you could serve this to someone? Momo's like, I'll never go to Smashburger again. <laughs> Except tomorrow she when I want to eat there. She showed up on set 45 minutes late, upset about her Starbucks drink. Yeah. That's how I she mean, got in the character. Yeah. I ordered no, ahead. I know. No, like, you know what? They gave me literally one line. I yeah. have one line. What is what's the line? Um, can you spoil it? Yeah, I can probably. I don't know if I can quite spoil it. I'll I'll give you an example. I'll so, tell you sort of. I'm asking Doc Rivers a question. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's plausible, and I'm asking her about you know the the chemistry stuff on the team and blah blah. Okay, blah. now this okay. though gets back to I remember something I said yeah. during Mace's roast a few years ago. Oh God, when because you just said you tried to get Mason a role. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> I really and I tried to get one. I know exactly where right. you're going. I tried to get one, and I know where you're going. Go ahead, finish I tried. It. I did finish Try- the joke. Right, right. And, and you know, again, this is all based on Momo's like award-winning podcast. Mace is also legitimately real friends with powerful actor Brian Cranston, who also seems not able to get Mace any work. Yeah, can't get me any How work. bad of an actor can't are you? Can't get me any work. Like, I'm actually a very fine actor. I mean, I didn't are, go to I USC seen. majoring as a theater performer, but True. I was, years ago, accepted to the Yale you Drama are. School. I wrote that in my pitch for you. Did you really? I read, I showed you the list. 
Well, here's the problem. Steve Mason, well-known really radio host in L.A., yep. has the schlubby look you're going for, yes, remember? I've got schlubby down pat. Problem. Actually a trained actor and would do this very Studios well. Studios don't care if you're trained. No, they, <laughs> they, do not care. they do not care. It's how you look. It's not how you act. Exactly. Momo, did you did you push back on your line and say, nah, I really wouldn't have said it like that? I did, this. actually. Did you ask for a rewind? I did. I did. said, do you want me to read this exactly as it's written, or do you, do you want me to say it how I would say it? They said, we did exactly this right. Yeah. Oh, I said, I thought, okay. I, you were not thought, allowed to ad lib. No. Oh. I thought you might get at least a well. We'll, we'll, we'll no, do one for you. No, you and know one what? I did do one thing, and this is. I think I was probably not supposed to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lawrence Fisherman was one of the. He's the actor who plays Doc Rivers yes. in, the, in the show, and you're probably like not supposed to talk to the actors or give them notes or anything like that unless they ask you for it. But he seemed very open to it. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Lawrence Fishburne? You've told me about this. That's why I'm laughing. What did you... Furious Styles was did, open to notes. Did you suggest no, Academy Award nominated yeah. Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne? He was Fishburne? trying to understand Doc. Like, I, you know, and, I, and me and Bill Plaschke are two people who have covered a million Doc Rivers press conferences, yeah. right? So we kind of gave him some notes on how Doc, like, commands the room and how he's like a... You know, he'd kind of call on you by name. He would say, you know... As a way of, um, you know, like coaches do that, they'll call you by your name to make you feel important, and then maybe they're defaming you. Soften the question, yeah. Soften the question or whatever it is. Um, Doc totally does that all the time. Um, But but, but it's a sign of respect. Like, you matter enough for me to learn your name. Mm. Right? Yeah. Does it ever work? Does it ever take the fangs out? I think it does. I think it totally works on people. When somebody says your name back to you, you're like, oh. Yeah. Oh, Oh, you know who I am. He knows me. Yeah, yeah if like you're coming in hot, right? If you if yeah. you if you've got that question that you want answered, and it's not a question that they want to answer, if they just hit you with a oh hey by the way you know Ramona you're next, you're gonna still hit them with it. Yeah, I mean I'm still gonna hit them with it, but I it does it doesn't mean I'm not gonna ask you the hard question, but it definitely um, personalizes the interaction mm-hmm. rather than you just being some nameless slubby reporter asking the jerk question. Right, right, right exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So anyway, I did try to get you in there, but yeah. it, due to budget cuts, <laughs> due to budget, they could not afford you somebody were, to work. You for were yeah. replaced all by these, extras. Look, all of these studios right now, they're unfortunately there are yeah. layoffs yeah, and there stuff are like that. Layoffs, they're belt yeah. tightening. They don't have mace budget. No, just laying <laughs> no, they were, And and like the truth is, they didn't. You pro, like you may or may not have had a speaking role. You might have just been. I'd have shown up, got yeah, on set, given yeah. Lawrence Fishburne some. Did tips. they see your tape from a league of their own? I do not know if they saw that. Wait, I do not know if they saw that. Roar! I don't Angry know fan league. number three. Yeah. I didn't know you. Are you in it? Or yeah. Or did you yeah. get cut? Last scene. I've got an old-fashioned hat on, <laughs> and there's that play-at-home plate, and I take my hat off, and I slam it down. Yeah. That's me. Angry fan number three. I, I did not know that. Yeah. But now that you tell, I think, yeah. I, I think, think I play reporter movie. number two. Like, <laughs> it old, doesn't even give my name. Old-fashioned-y yeah. hat. Slam awesome. it down after the play. And you, you nailed it. Yeah. Did God they damn. say, good job? Penny Marshall said, I want you for more. Cut. Really? Print. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, <laughs> wait, did I hear this right? You're not even credited as yourself in not, the credits? Could not, could not get credited. Oh, you cannot get credited? I don't know. Credited? At least when I, you know. Momo is Momo I, they might, I might. I might have to, you know, I might have to pull some rank there at the end. So you're On the just, credits. On the, but, look, I'm credited in the show right, as a you're producer. Right, yeah. you're yeah. But you want, yeah. you know, this is you want to wear a variety of hats. No, you want to be it's the okay. creator, the executive producer, and you want to star in your own vehicle. Well, I mean, we're all paying these sag dues anyway. You might as well yeah, get a little exactly. more bang for your buck. I know. It was like I remember. I, I actually said to them, I was not going to have a, a line. They were going to give the line to Plashki, and Plashki mm-hmm. stood up for me. 
Nice. He was like, this is your thing. Plashy's you have, good people. He was going to have like two Plashy. lines and I was going to have none. And and I was just going to be like the extra. And yep. then Plashy was like, no, I, I'm not taking two lines and you having none. You right. take one of my lines. And then they said, well, we have to... You have to redo some things if that's, you know, it's the, the, the shot and how they're going to shoot, you know, whatever it is, how the thing follows up or whatever it is. Anyway, Plasty was a good dude about that. And um, and and then I said, are you worried? I mean, like, I'm in the union, you know, like, does that, I got my SAG card. Like, I showed him. Yeah. I was so proud. <laughs> does Doc, ha- uh, does Fishburn have Doc's voice down? No, he doesn't do the voice. Oh, he doesn't do the voice. He doesn't do the voice. He, it was a, it was an executive decision. Well, he decided. Like, he and Doc met several times before he played him. And then I think he just said to him, he goes, I'm not going to do the voice. Because it's just, he has a commanding voice in his own right. No, I, I look, if, it's, if it's you also, don't think you can do it. He is Lawrence Fishburne. Listen, what about the lady who did Advancing Anna? Do you think she should have done the voice? It's so uh, basic. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's such a basic person. Here's the thing, too. Like, if an actor can't do a dialect yeah. or an accent, it becomes distracting. Yeah, it's, distracting. it's better off to not to like do it. Like Tom yeah. Hanks in Elvis. Right. Terrible. Like, that, he can't do that accent. Yeah, so then it would be Lawrence Fishburne doing a bad Doc Rivers. Yes. Right. It's a bad, it's, it just, ju- just don't do it. Where is it in the uh, production cycle, Momo? When, when will we see it? I think later this year. Wow. Ooh, we just exciting. finished filming. Is it- yeah. Photography is wrapped, as they say. Uh, well, as far as I know, yeah. Unless they have to go back and reshoot some things or whatever. But I'm going to the wrap party this week. You know? How many uh, takes did you require? I I uh, did you take multiple takes? It wasn't me. I was just Plasky like they just line. do it like 20 times. You know, Plasky screwed up his line. Uh, he screwed up once and yeah. I screwed up once. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I missed my timing. It wasn't the line that I screwed up. It was the timing. Travis, what's the latest from uh, Riff? Let me take a look, man. So let me look over my shoulder here, and it looks like Tiger's probably getting fairly close. To How's he doing? Here. What's what's the? Um, uh, let, hold on, let me look real quick. I, I uh, the board is directly behind me, so I can't yeah. Really that's my see favorite it. thing about covering golf. You go, you're out at the golf course, and you have no idea what's going on anywhere else because everyone is all yeah, over the course. Right. So the only way you know what's going on is to watch it on TV or look Let's at the board. See. I'm looking for his name. Looking I've been for scrolling Tiger's for a while. Here we name. go. Tiger. Oh, no, he's doing fine. He's one under through three. So he just nice. passed through here. Uh, oh, yeah, there's the guy. I had to turn all the way around. Let me hear your golf announcer me. voice. Let me hear it. Yeah, do it. Woods has made one birdie, two pars through the first three holes here at the iconic Riviera Country Club. A very difficult par three, number four. Been called the most challenging par three hole on the PGA Tour. Tiger Woods hitting a three iron. How's that? That, that is roars. That, that is, was good. You're you're kicking Jim Nance's ass with the that. The only call. thing I would, the only note I would give you, yes, is you need a few long pauses in there. Ah, that's good. That, that's a because like good Nance note. always gives like the long pause, so like for, as if there's some drama. <laughs> yeah, like so, it would be Tiger Woods playing the whole the most challenging par three on the PGA Tour. With a three iron. Perfect. Yeah. That's there pretty it good, is. Travis. You're right there on it. it. You're that was right. really good. Good note. Mason and I would come up next. It's brought to you by In-N-Out Burger. That's what a hamburger is all about. We'll see you tomorrow.